0: This podcast is brought to you by Florence Filter, the leading company in air filters. They care about your air and have been since 1971. Good morning, everyone. This is Brandon Matloff in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Stella Oak Mavens podcast, where we feature different mavens in different fields. A maven is an expert of an expert. They're the go-to person who you would want to ask all the questions to before making a decision purpose of our podcast is to help the consumer be more knowledgeable. Today, I'm going to make the topic of patents really fun because I'm hosting Lance Pritikin on the show. Lance is an intellectual property attorney. He has been a maven in the field for over 10 years. Prior to IP work and law school, uh, Lance served as a lead spacecraft engineer for one of the largest defense contractors in the world. You don't fall in that field by accident. Lance had earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Aeronautical Engineering from Cal Polytech San Luis Obispo. At the same time, he served in the U.S. Marine Corps Reserves. And today, uh, Lance will be sharing his wisdom on how he can protect our inventions, how we can make money from having patents, and how we can parlay our patents into making our companies become more successful. Welcome, Lance. How are you doing? Great. So Lance, all uh, ready to go? all right, great. Uh, did you always want to be a uh, patent attorney?
1: Actually, no. Um, so uh, early on, I was actually uh, an engineer for 10 years uh, in the aerospace field, and uh, I was doing some entrepreneurial work on the side, sort of moonlighting. And uh, I ended up uh, sitting across the table from attorneys in many cases, and I felt like, okay, uh, I wanted to learn more about uh, the patent side of things and how I could protect my own intellectual property uh, in those processes. So it sort of drew me into uh, the legal side of the field.
0: That's interesting. So you were actually in meetings with IP lawyers, heard what they were saying, and you're like, I could do this and I could probably be pretty good at it.
1: Absolutely. And especially bringing the entrepreneurial uh, experience to the table, many lawyers. Uh, come straight out of undergrad, go to law school and start practicing law for a law firm. And they don't necessarily have uh, practical real world experience, especially as it relates to uh, what the entrepreneur is trying to achieve with that piece of intellectual property.
0: So here's someone who has real experience because you actually worked on creating things where you needed a patent. And then you parlayed that into saying, hey, I'm going to actually help people do this because it's really important. That's exactly right. So Lance, here's a situation. You have a young business owner. They have an idea. or Maybe there's an established uh, company with another idea. They're trying to earn as much as possible. They don't even know yet if their product will be a success. We're all busy, and the topic of patents isn't necessarily the first thing on our mind. When do we absolutely need one and why?
1: Okay, so the first thing you want to assess is whether you think your product or or your uh, process may be new and you want to prevent other people from copying it unless they're going to come to you and pay you royalties or maybe they're a competitor and you just want to prevent them uh, from competing with you, period. In a case like that, you want to seek patent protection or at least you want to investigate the possibility of seeking patent protection. And what that patent protection lets you do, if you actually get the patent granted on that technology, is it allows you to prevent others from making, using, and selling your invention or your improvement over old inventions, because you can patent what looks like an incremental improvement over old inventions. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So it gives you, it's a tool, it's a blocking mechanism that allows you to prevent others from making, using, and selling your improvement.
0: So you can actually copy someone's idea, but then improve upon it, and that idea is patentable?
1: So the the way it works is, you can actually uh, take their idea and move it further. You can innovate over other people's idea by improving it. If the bicycle already exists, you can take the bicycle you can add to it, for example, a a multi-speed transmission, And that improvement, assuming it was new, could be patentable. However, you can't necessarily go out and make the bicycle because you may infringe someone else's patent. So when you say, can you just go out and copy it and and then improve upon it, you can do that on paper and seek patent protection for your proposed improvement. But if you make the device and sell the device yourself, you also want to be aware of what other people's patents say, and if they have patents that are currently in force that haven't expired, you may not actually be able to make your product, even though you may be able to obtain a patent on the the improvement that is embodied in your product.
0: For example, so, there's some, so let's there's
1: nuances there that you want to be aware
0: of. So, for example, let's say uh, you have a you have an idea to improve upon a product. Then you really need to go see what their patent looks like. And then once you have an understanding of it, if it doesn't infringe upon what you're trying to accomplish, then it's okay. So that begs the question, how do you find out what their patent actually says?
1: So what you'll typically want to do is go to an experienced patent practitioner who can run a search. And there are really two types of searches. One is what's called a patentability search. And the other is more of a freedom to operate search, sometimes the overlap. So patentability search, you want to figure out, is my improvement patentable? Forget whether I want to actually go out and make and sell my own product in the real world. I may want to obtain a patent only. So in a case like that, we want to compare what other people have done and what the public is already aware of to our idea to see how new our idea is. Okay, and that's going to give you a sense of whether what you have is patentable. Now, if you're going to go out and make the product, I have many clients who aren't necessarily looking to patent their own product. They may not think they even have an improvement, but they want to go out and make and sell and import the product, and they want to make sure they're not running afoul of somebody else's patent. So in a case like that, we'll, we'll run what's called a freedom-to-operate search. In that case, we're looking at other people's patents from the perspective, not of whether our idea is new, but whether our product might infringe someone else's patent. If we find a patent like that during the search, we may be able to approach that third party, for example, and seek a licensing deal from them. We may be able to design around that third party patent. So there are a lot of strategies that sort of come up as we acquire more information.
0: So, you can actually work with somebody that already has a patent and do some type of licensing deal so that you can work on improving their product. Of course, they would have the choice to say, "No, we're not going to do the licensing deal with you, and that's why they got the patent in the first place. Um, is that correct? That's
1: exactly right. that's right and and we can there's a lot of ways we could approach a third party patent holder, they may just be a garage inventor that spent some money acquiring the patent, but they never did anything with it. So in a case like that, instead of us spending money filing a patent application and going through that process, we might uh, anonymously send somebody, approach that patent holder and say, hey, do you want to sell this patent? Are you interested in it? Could, would you be interested in some sort of a licensing deal? So there's a, there are ways to approach third parties that have patent rights who may be willing to do licensing. They may be willing, frankly, to try to recover their original costs. Maybe their wife is uh, complaining about some of the money that they spent uh, on, on a patent application years ago, and this is their opportunity to recover those costs. So an entrepreneur may may approach somebody who already has those patent rights. Now on the flip side, they, you know, my client might decide, hey, we want to figure out how to design around that existing patent because we don't want to approach that company, and we don't think they're going to license us their rights. So let's see if we can maneuver around that patent by modifying our product, and oftentimes I'll help the client do that.
0: Okay, so is there a certain time in the process of creating something that they should, or I guess the question would be, is there an efficient time in the creation of a new technology or improvement? Is there an efficient time that they should go seek out uh, a patent? Should they wait till it's done, their idea? Should they do it while they have the idea? Like when's the appropriate time? When's the most efficient time to
1: go after it? That's a great question. So the the appropriate time is, you want to understand that an abstract concept is not patentable, first of all. So if you only have a concept for a car that drives 100 miles on a cup of water and you can't explain how the car could do that, then you're probably nowhere near ready to even talk to a, to a patent attorney. So when you get to the point where you've figured out the inner workings of that device and how it achieves the advantage then you're ready and you should talk to a patent professional as soon as practical now if they're experienced their advice may be oh you're not ready to file anything yet but let's keep the conversation up during the development cycle to figure out when it makes sense to file the patent application but but when you think you have something new and valuable and you know how to describe it to the rest of the world don't describe it to the rest of the world yet how to make and use it instead call a patent professional and start the conversation with them. Um, the, one of the most important timeline issues is if you want to preserve and maximize your ability to acquire patent protection, you have to, or typically, you want to avoid publicly disclosing the invention or offering it for sale before you have a patent application already filed. That's a, those are critical deadlines that uh, apply to most countries. That if you publicly disclose the invention yesterday and you haven't, you know, already uh, filed a patent application, uh, there's a good chance you may have blown your, your, your foreign rights at least. The U.S., we have a one year grace period between your earliest public disclosure and your ability to seek patent protection. But the U.S. is fairly unique in that regard. So again, these, these are some complicated issues. You want to go to a patent professional who's experienced, who can walk you through these issues and sort of figure out, you know, what rights you, you may have lost, what rights you may be able to obtain, and really put you on the right track.
0: Okay, so you convinced me uh, at this point that we need to hire a patent attorney. So, how do we choose if we need like a high-end one or any patent attorney could basically help us?
1: So from my experience, and I've worked in firms and I've worked in solo practice uh, throughout my career, and I can tell you that you know the size of the firm doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the quality of the patent application or the ultimate quality of the patent. What you want to find is, is an experienced patent practitioner, hopefully one that you were referred to, okay, by somebody who who knows uh, people in this field and, and can attest to the quality of someone's work. So usually a personal referral is a really good way
0: to go. And for my listeners, for my listeners out there, I can tell you that I've heard, the reason I got Lance on this podcast is I've heard from other people that he's done a good job for, uh, and had a great experience working, uh, with Lance. So go ahead, Lance. I didn't mean to cut you off on
1: that one. Oh, sure. That's, no problem. So it's it's really like picking out, uh, and this sounds arrogant to some people, but it's like picking out a surgeon. I've had clients who were Neurosurgeons who are, uh, rocket scientist types and they have commented on how complex this process is, this patent process. So that tells you something there. You want to find someone who's experienced, who understands the process. And the other thing that is helpful is you want to make sure that you're choosing a patent attorney who has a, a technical education or at least enough exposure to your area of technology to understand it enough to move through the patent application process for you. Um, so not, again, not just the legal side of things, but they should be comfortable and experienced enough and have a hopefully a background education in your technical field, the technical field of your invention. That's helpful as well.
0: So what are some horror stories of clients that you've seen that maybe have done it incorrectly? They went to a big firm and then you had to get involved and fix what happened. And maybe you can just share about a couple client situations that you've experienced.
1: Well, this isn't true of all big firms. I mean, it really depends on the firm. And more importantly, it depends on the the actual patent attorney that you're dealing with. But big firms have different pressures. So a, a, a patent associate that's working in a big firm knows they typically have to bill a certain amount of billable hours by the end of the month. So they have a very different pressure than somebody who may be in solo or small practice. And because of that, you know, they may not put as much time into uh, the nuances of drafting the patent application as somebody who's a small practitioner who has maybe large firm experience in the past. And so this is so nuanced. You want to make sure that whatever dollar you're spending on this process, and it's a somewhat expensive process, you want to make sure every dollar you're spending is going toward uh, uh, having somebody with experience who is, is nuanced and, and is, is applying attention
0: to detail. So, can you share um, a uh, so, client story then?
1: So, uh, yes, I can, as a matter of fact. I, I have, uh, there was one case where a firm came to me or a client came to me uh, from a larger firm and they had a patent application that actually had inadvertently gone expired. So we had to try to, we had to go ahead and revive the patent application. And in some cases, you're able to do that. It's, again, there's some questions one way or the other, but that's very fact-specific. We had to revive the application. We had to go back to the patent examiner at the patent office and really fix the application. There were a lot of problems with it. And you looked at it, and and it was – they had put a lot of money into having the patent application prepared and filed, and yet it looked like it was – you know sort of uh, not a lot of time and care was taken in preparing the application, and so there was a lot of fixing that I had to do after the fact to get it back up to to par. We ended up getting u s patent Chinese patent and and uh, European uh, from that case, so that was a very good outcome, but it didn't start uh, so smoothly for them. so, so how again, much more money not- did
0: they have to spend uh, because they had to go through? all that fixing in a sense.
1: So they put approximately twenty dollars to $30,000 into a poorly written and initially poorly prosecuted uh, patent application in the beginning before it got to me. And then once it got to me, it might have been another maybe $5,000 to go ahead and fix it. So again, it was a very good outcome. Uh, I was able to work very efficiently uh, to correct the problems that existed in the application. But it's, it's difficult once the application is filed. So you want to choose a good, trusted patent attorney uh, uh, in the beginning. So they draft right. the application properly.
0: So they spent around thirty to 40000 to do this whole thing. What would it have cost if they just went to you from the get-go?
1: I estimate that in that case we would have gotten that application probably allowed for about twelve thousand, so wow. just just a fraction of a dollar, you know, on the dollar there.
0: Yeah, 75 percent less. It's pretty pretty good result right there. All right, so uh, this this next section I, I always love to to call this uh, rapid fire time, and I love rapid fire. Uh, for many reasons, but basically, it throws the interviewee on a curveball, so you can't think too much about your answer, and we have to hear your uh, gut reactions to uh, the different topics around life and patents and everything you're interested. So, Lance, how did you learn all this stuff? How did you get a passion for uh, patents?
1: Uh, by doing it, you know. It, it's just uh, just a matter of uh, being exposed to it and understanding the importance of protecting when you when you create something. It's important to know that your creation is being protected in some way. And I knew that because I was sitting on the other side of the table. So I had that same experience that my clients have.
0: Awesome. So in this rapid-fire section, I always try to keep these answers to like a one-sentence or a couple-word answers. Oh, that was three words? So (laughs) (laughs) Lance, I just want you to keep playing on on this one. So Lance, um, I read somewhere that you were the recipient of the California Excellent for the Future Award, the highest grade you could possibly get for patent application drafting. Now, are you just showing off or are you really that good?
1: Well, that was in law school. So admittedly, that was 10 years ago. But I look at it as uh, every time I file a patent application, I'm working to achieve that standard for that client.
0: In your spare time, you're a private pilot. Is there everything in your life that you do? Is it technical in nature like this? I've always loved technology and I've been flying with my dad since, uh, since I was a kid. Gotcha. That's awesome. When you buy something like a watch, uh, do you want to know that it works, or are you the kind of person that wants to know how it works, and is that the reason you're good at your job, because you like the technical nature of knowing how things work?
1: You know, from the very beginning, I was always the kid who took things apart to figure out uh, how they work,
0: even if uh, I couldn't always put them back together. I always tried to do that, but I could never put it back together. That wasn't my forte. <laughs> uh, yeah. Lori, Lori from uh, Shark Tank has all these patents. You know, they always talk about that. Uh, are they worth any money? Why does she have? Why do they have? Make such a big deal out of having fifty patents?
1: Well, they can be, but you know, sometimes it's illusory. So sometimes there are a bunch of patents, but when we take the time to look at them, uh, maybe some are strong patents, some are weak patents.
0: Not all patents are uh, uh, equally uh, uh, useful. Thanks for playing rapid fire, Lance. Uh, yeah. So just to segue back into some content, how does someone actually get a patent? Like, What's the, what's the actual process?
1: Well, so usually the recommendation is to do a preliminary patentability search first. Before he starts spending any major money on drafting the application, so we want to get an idea of, you know, what other patents and patent applications are out there that may render our technology um, unpatentable. So we get, we look at that first, and it helps us decide what aspects of our invention are or are not patentable. Okay, from there, then we look to file a patent application. Okay, it's important to remember that you're not filing a patent. That's a misnomer. You'll hear people say that. You don't file a patent. You file a patent application with whichever government body is in the territory you're seeking protection in. And uh, so that's the next step is we prepare the patent application. Third step is we file the patent application wherever you want to seek protection, whether it's in the U.S., Europe, Australia, Canada, so forth. Um, And then there's a period where we have to respond to what are called office actions, So the patent examiner in the patent office, in the government patent office, they start looking at your patent application. They decide whether they think this is patentable and and warrants being granted a patent or not. And we have an opportunity to respond through argumentation and negotiation with the patent examiner to try to persuade them to grant the patent. There's never a guarantee that you're going to get a patent and you have to account for that in your business model. But that's, that's the process. And then in the end, if you're granted the patent, um, you may have to pay what are called maintenance fees or renewals during the term or during the life of the patent in order to keep the patent alive.
0: That's quite a process. What is the time, like the time frame: three months, six months, a year? Like if you're just starting a new technology from start to finish, what's the time frame like?
1: So on average, you know, you're looking at a year and a half to three years between filing the application and hopefully getting the patent granted. There are ways, there are, sometimes it takes longer, It depends on when the patent office begins examining the application uh, and some other factors, but it can also take less time. Because you have options in some cases to pay a little extra to the patent office and you can do what's called, for example, prioritized track one in the U.S. You can accelerate your application. Basically, you're cutting ahead in line of everybody else by paying a little extra. In cases like that, I've gotten patents in the mechanical field granted in four or five months from filing. So that's possible as well. So is it
0: whoever files the patent, like if the two identical strategies or technologies or products are filed or are, are around the same time, is it whoever files it first or whoever's patent is completed first?
1: That's correct. So it's, it, the U.S. is just like every other patent system in the world. It's a first to file system. So it's always a race to the patent office. The first legitimate inventor might be on two different sides of the country. And so they're not copying each other, but they legitimately independently invented the same thing. The first person who files that patent application typically wins the race. So that is an important
0: consideration. So if I was asking you some of these questions five years ago, I think I'd be asking you the difference of patents between maybe Facebook and MySpace. But because that obviously isn't really playing out today, there Myspace isn't really around clearly. Uh, today I think I'll go with like Uber and Lyft, right? Let's just take those two companies. So they seem to be doing the same service. They both have an app. Like what's the, really the difference in any, if there is one, uh, in a patent technology for both those companies and they both kind of do the same thing. So one started before the other, right? So how how does that play out?
1: Well, you know, the, the one that started earlier may not have sought patent protection in the beginning. Right, They may not have thought what they had was patentable, so they may not have sought patent protection. Or they may have sought patent protection, but maybe they weren't successful in dealing with the patent office. That's a possibility as well. The third possibility is the first person or the first company to start this process and and use that business method, uh, maybe they did acquire a patent, but then at some point that patent was invalidated in some way, right? Because that can happen. And well, even though you get a patent, you know, there are third parties can sometimes challenge the validity of that patent. You have the presumption of validity if you're a patent owner. It's presumed that your patent is out. But so there's a lot of different details and there are a lot of different facts that may dictate whether the first player, the first one out there in the market, could actually have have a patent or even enforce it against later
0: comers. So if you have a patent and uh, you're maybe first to the market to have this patent, but you know that other – Once it's created and once people see this product, other people are going to improve upon it. Is there a way to parlay that into uh, really having a – like maybe the strategy is really you want to create a bunch of licensing revenues coming in rather than continuously developing the uh, technology for that. So is there a strategy involved with that?
1: Well, that has a lot to do with how you draft – the first set of patent applications in the beginning. So you want uh, to have a lot of broad coverage and then various more narrow pieces of coverage when you're drafting a patent application. So there are ways to put what are called patent claims in a single patent application that define the invention in multiple ways. And in multiple scopes. So if you have some really broad claims in your patent, it it may not matter what someone else does to improve upon your core invention. They may still be stepping on your patent by actually selling their product. So even though they improved upon your bicycle, if you still have the patent on two wheels, a frame, handlebars, and a seat, then it doesn't matter what they add to that. They're going to be stepping on your patent, so they have to come to you for a license. Otherwise, they're risking infringing your patent. So you want a a patent portfolio that you develop that has patent claims of various scopes and that define the invention in different ways. That's the best strategy.
0: I like that. So the intent from the beginning is not necessarily to have the best product. Maybe it's just to have the best patent that you can ultimately parlay that into to different businesses. Have you had a client, uh, go through that process or maybe even you could explain like what the biggest patent deal that maybe you worked on and how did you get the client? Surely you weren't like the first one to meet that person or you weren't the first one to the party, but why did they come to you? And, uh, what maybe you should share the biggest story that you've had in, in success in working with your clients.
1: Right, so so I have, uh, I get a lot of clients from other clients. Okay, so that, that's the ultimate compliment, obviously. So, um, and that, that happens in a lot of cases, but I've also um, met mentors along the way, uh, older patent practitioners that were at the end of their career, and so many of my larger clients I also acquired uh, that way. And so, you know, one of the things that I enjoy more than anything is is a uh, an international patent portfolio not just u s coverage but helping the client manage uh, a portfolio of patents that stretches you know ten different countries, five different technologies, and that sort of thing, and mapping out what is the competitor doing, and i can 't get into too much detail in this particular case, but you can sort of map out what 's the competitor doing and what coverage do we have in that territory that allows us to come knocking on their on, on their door and saying, Hey, look' you know, you got to come to the table and talk to us, otherwise we're going to have a problem here. And so patent protection gives you that leverage, especially when you have a case where you have international patent portfolio with multiple patents in multiple countries for multiple technologies. And that's something I've dealt with in the past, and I, I really enjoy quite a bit.
0: That's awesome. This next section, I just call it mistakes and re- reg- regrets. Um, it gives us a uh, chance for you to connect with the listeners you know as we wrap up we always find that our listeners want to have the ability to really connect with the person that I'm doing the interview with and to realize you know we're all human but we want to learn from one another so Lance what's the biggest either mistake or regret that you've had in your career Look,
1: the biggest mistake or, or regret That's uh, this it feels like a job interview um, <laughs> I, I would say uh um you know it's 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 hard for me to come up with anything because the way i tend to do things is i come across you know whatever opportunities present themselves even if they seem like mistakes in the beginning and a lot of times that's just the door that opens up and i'm kind of kind of guy that just runs through that door and kind of looks at what's on the other side and, and see if I can parlay that opportunity. So everything that may in the past have seemed like a mistake to me at the time, inevitably now I remember as being a very positive thing. So it's hard for me to even uh, draw from uh, from anything that I would consider a mistake.
0: Well, that's a good source of experience and to know that you've taken on clients of all sizes and you really haven't regretted that and that you've kind of looked for the opportunity. It's probably the right mindset, uh, to have, you know, uh, before we finish up, is there anything else, uh, that you would like to share today?
1: Well, you know, that those, I think we've covered a lot of ground there. Uh, one of the most important things that people can remember as they're starting to develop a new product and they might want to seek patent protection for that product is to what, to do what I call maintain unity of ownership and control of the technology so if you're bringing other people in to the the process and they may become joint inventors whether intentionally or unintentionally you want to make sure that you're always controlling whatever they come up with right if you're hiring them to come in as a consultant a developer partner whatever whatever they may improve over your core invention you want to make sure those improvements fall back into the same pot and that you own the pot. So you, again, you want to make sure that when you're dealing with other people, go to an experienced patent practitioner and make sure that they're counseling you about uh, uh, how you're dealing in writing with these other parties.
0: That makes a lot of sense, especially as you grow with more partners and more company lines together. It wouldn't be a a great uh, podcast Lance, unless I give my listeners a place to follow up and learn more. Is there um, a certain online resource that's good for people to look at from a first glance. And when uh, and how should someone contact you directly?
1: Sure. So I can always be uh, contacted uh, by email. Uh, my website is uh, com. That's P-R-I-T-I-K-I-N law.com. My phone number, and anybody can call me anytime. It's 310-876-1771.
0: Great. And then who's the ideal client for you, or when should someone come to you directly?
1: So I have clients who are from garage inventors all the way up to publicly traded companies. And so if you're a, you know in the process of developing a new technology or you think you have an idea that may be patentable, you know, I don't charge for five minute phone calls for initial consultations. Give me a call, let's talk through it a little bit, and maybe you walk away and decide, hey, to save me from spending any money at all, or maybe there's something there for you, and it makes sense for you to pursue patent protection. So um, I really enjoy the uh, small companies that are startups, uh, and I like the garage inventors also with uh, with some really cool ideas that they you know maybe they want to go on Shark Tank one day.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you, Lance, for that. Thank you. and thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to file my next uh, patent. This is uh, Brandon Matloff, and this has been a Stella Oak Mavens production. We empower you, the listener, to take control of your life. You can follow our Instagram at Stella Oak Mavens for updates and more information about the podcast.